uh, and they went from about 50% acceptance, 45%, which is a little bit below average. You, you want to see about 60, 65% uh, to 85%. And this is over 20, 25 hires. Wow. So basically doubled offer acceptance rates. And I heard over and over qualitatively, this was, this was the best interviewing experience I've ever had. The, the real world work I did. Welcome back. We I have did. the pleasure of having uh, an amazing individual on today to share his wisdom, his knowledge uh, with all of you that are uh, maybe just getting into the tech space or you've been in it for a while and you just want to pick Wes's brain here. Um, he is an uh, incredible individual to learn from. So we have the CEO of Wobin. Previously, he was a VP of engineering at another company, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well um, in, in terms of his transition and what he did in terms of hiring individuals at a, uh, at a high rate, um, high-performing individuals, and he calls them hidden gems that he was able to find and, and pick out to, to grow his team. So thank you so much, Wes, for, for being on the interview podcast today. Thanks for having me, Louis. I'm excited for the conversation. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Woven. Let's jump right into Woven. What is it that that you do right now with Woven? What is it that Woven helps uh, companies and individuals out um, in the marketplace? Woven helps growing companies scale their software teams. It is the most competitive uh, hiring market in history for software engineering talent, especially if you're building products where your engineering team matters a lot, the quality of that team. It has never been the case. It has never been more uh, the case that quality of a team matters, like better teams just are more innovative, they move faster. At the same time, it's never been more of a seller's market for engineers, so candidates have a choice. So you can't run them through a million hoops to see if they're the, they're the right fit for the job anymore. Now you're very constrained by their experience what do they want to do what feels fun to them uh, and we help bridge that gap we can help you provide an amazing candidate experience find all of the great folks in your hiring funnel while also evaluating them really effectively so you can find the right folks for the job so let's say you know vp of engineering or an engineering exec and we have a system already in place the hiring system uh, where exactly does does woven fit into the the process that we might have in place already yeah, so it kind of depends a little bit where you're coming from. So I'll pick up, for instance. So let's say you just raised your Series B. You're really stoked. You get to double your team. You got there because you built an amazing engineering organization. It's creative, write high-quality code. It's innovative. Uh, you're thinking about the product. So you're really happy with your hiring process that got you there. But the last round, when you doubled after your A round, it was hard. You had a take home in your project, in your process, uh, typically before the final loop. And that take home gave you so much signal. It helps you be really confident in your hiring. There's, these are the folks that are going to fit the team. They're going to be excellent. What you found last time is that it started to get a little bit harder. Um, candidates were a little bit reluctant to take it, especially top senior engineering candidates. Maybe they'd say they would take it, and then you'd find out a week later they actually accepted another offer. Yeah. Or you'd find that they would take it, and that was great, and then your team was so busy that it would be two or three days before they evaluated it to know if you could take the next step, and you lost a couple candidates to companies that can move faster, yeah. and you found that your, uh, your take-on project was kind of aging. It's like, oh, man, we're on the old version of React. We're not even using hooks. 
we need an engineer to go in and update it. But that became like the third priority on their plate. So your, your project was old and you had candidates complaining. Some of those things add up uh, to like not, the, not fast enough, not good enough candidate experience. And it became kind of a headwind for your hiring process. So now you're looking at uh, doubling again. It's going to be even harder. And instead of updating your take home, you drop Woban into essentially the same place. We would usually be recruiter screen, then Woban, then a hiring manager screen. Although sometimes we go straight to the final loop after we're calibrated so that you don't have to maintain that take home. Candidates take our work simulation which gives you the same read as a take home in a smaller amount of time. Uh, and you're very confident about who you're bringing to the final round and who you're ultimately making offers to uh, without doing all of that work. Yeah. What, what sets woven apart from, I mean, there's a lot of other uh, assessment or these types of tools out there that companies are using to help them hire their candidates and give them uh, a signal upfront. Like what is it that makes woven different? Lewis, you're so right. There are. This is a huge problem. Software is eating the world. Yeah. Every company that's not a tech company is becoming a tech company and trying to figure out how to hire developers because they're so important. So there's lots of things out there to try to help well, yeah. with all different parts, pieces of this. Uh, when I was hiring my team after we raised money at my last startup and I was scaling up, I looked at all the options. Um, there's a class of... of tools, I'll call them a code quiz. You know, you, you write some code in a browser, which is great. Uh, and then it runs automated tests. Mm -hmm. And those are really good for entry level roles where you just have a ton of resumes from bootcamp. You can't tell who's good. You just want like a minimum. All right. Some folks can't write a for loop. All right, cool. We screen those folks out. So those are great. They're cheap. There's lots of them. If you want to take that next level of not just like a minimum bar, uh, who can really problem solve, who can really think, there are fewer options and there aren't any that have a candidate experience. And when I talk about candidate experience, engineers, especially experienced engineers, they don't want automated code quizzes. They want to do real work. They want to do problem solving. They want mm -hmm. to think through an outage. They want to adapt some code that needs to be refactored or, or optimize some code. They want to uh, build something on the front end that actually works, not just something that run automated tests. And that's what we do. As a result of doing that type of those type of scenarios that look like the job, we actually have real engineers evaluate it. Mm. Uh, that's kind of the really hard part about what we do and what, why it delivers so much value is to deliver that real world work that top candidates want uh, to do. We need to have actual engineers on the back end scoring these things. So that's a lot of what we spent the last three years working on so that that is fair, unbiased, and fast. We're talking six hours turnaround for um, expedited candidates. Wow. And now, but can that be a little subjective? Um, because you have someone in person instead of like an AI platform analyzing all of that information that the candidates put it in, you have someone in there, they might, some people might say they might use their biases uh, against a candidate versus another. How, how does Woven prevent that from, from being, uh, from taking place? We all have our biases. We all have our morning where we have the wrong amount of coffee. We're in a hurry. <laughs> so that's really important because you are making decisions about who you spend more time with based on our scores and our analysis. So we take that responsibility very seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other folks out there who will have a, a score or they'll do an interview for you and they're going to do their best to you know minimize their bias. They might have a rubric. 
you know, one to five, how good was our code quality? We go all the way down the deep end, Lewis, in, in uh, validity and bias removal. Hmm. We have broken this each of these scenarios down into maybe 20 rubric items, not like three rubric items, like 20. And these are deterministic. These are yes, no. We, we used psychometric techniques to create that rubric, to hmm. validate it. And then when these engineers are scoring, we actually have two. We don't just have one trained engineer. We have two. They are blind to anything about the candidate. They're blind to each other. So they're scoring independently with that incredibly detailed rubric that is deterministic. Okay. And if these two engineers who are trained and certified on that scenario until they get it right, if they agree, disagree about any single one of those 20 rubric items on one scenario, we escalate to a third engineer. Hmm. So we're talking about potentially three trained engineers who are quality checking each other uh, to reduce bias and then improve quality here. And we're talking about the standard in the industry right now is like, yeah, I felt pretty good after the internet, after that interview. So like, I'm going to give them a thumbs up. That's what we're, uh, we're compared to. Right. That's amazing. I mean, you can see why someone would, would like this and, or a company would like this because, um, it is, it seems like it's going to be saving them a lot of time, especially if we have someone at Woven doing the assessment and the grading, the feedback itself. Um, I know that's one thing that Woven prides itself in because a lot of companies, they don't have the ability to, to go through, you know, hundreds of candidates and give them one of these assessments and be able to provide that feedback to the candidates. Um, I, I see like five star, five star, five star from candidate feedback, fat candidates saying, we love this, whether or not we got the job, we love that Woven was able to tell us what we did right, what we did wrong. Um, you know, what made you want to say, you know what, even if it's going to take us more time, even if it's going to cost Woven more money, um, why was it important for you to to provide that as, as one of the main features um, in Woven to give feedback to each candidate? So it was uh, 2018. Uh, I had quit my job and managed to wrangle the, the two smartest people I know to work with me on this problem. And we we're like, all right, engineering hiring, no problem, right? It's easy. Um, we did a bunch of interviews with candidates around the market. And we asked them about what was the most frustrating thing about their experience. And I thought it was going to be getting rejected. And you know, that just how, you know, much that sucks to hear that you're not the right fit. And it wasn't, it was actually getting no feedback. Hmm. That's the number one thing over and over and over, uh, even from people who got hired. So these candidates that you're doing all this work to attract, you give them an interview and then you don't give them any feedback between like now and the final loop a week later. They're thinking like they have all these feelings like, oh, I don't think I did very well. I'm thinking back on that. I could have done better. Um, they get no feedback. Mm -hmm. So we were like, no one was asking us to do this, but we we're like, that seemed bad. And that's not the, the experience we want to exist in the world. At the time, nobody was really talking about candidate experience as a thing that was really important, but it felt wrong to us. These are people that are spending their time. The least we could do is give them useful feedback. That's the thing. Engineers, engineers are generally very growth-oriented people. They want to learn. They want to get better. That's why they're doing this job. Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right, we have to figure out how to give them feedback. So we spent months building a feature that, Nobody was asking for, uh, hiring managers didn't really care at the time that we were giving people feedback. We actually, it was a little bit of a sticking point for some, uh, some HR and recruiting side of the house. They were a little nervous. 
Hmm. Like, oh, well, we're supposed to give no feedback. You know, what about legal stuff? Yeah. Turns out that's all fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, there is There are no cases. Uh, there's no case law in the U.S. of someone giving work-based feedback and incurring legal liability. It's never happened in the history of uh, the U.S., mm-hmm. but there's that fear. So we did this thing that was actually a little bit of a drag for a business, took a lot of time because we thought it was right. So every candidate that goes through, every developer that goes through one of our scenarios, any of our scenarios, they're getting code review level feedback. Like they, a senior engineer sat down and really dove through their work to help them be better. And we're also giving like links to resources. Like, hey, you want to learn this? Um, Here's an example of how to use a list comprehension in Python because it's a more idiomatic way to approach this problem. That's what we are holding ourselves to. Fast forward to 2022, and it looks like we were really smart Mm. uh, because now it's all about candidate experience. This market is so tight that people are looking for any kind of edge. One of our customers um, doubled their offer acceptance rate by adding us to their process. They were just in this really competitive market, uh, and they went from about 50% acceptance 45 percent which is a little bit below average you want to see about 60 65 percent uh to 85 percent and this is over 20 25 hires so basically doubled offer acceptance rates and they heard over and over qualitatively this was this was the best interviewing experience i've ever had the the real world work i did the feedback i got how quickly the whole thing moved just felt very different um so now, 2022, all right, candidate experience, we're hitting some buzzwords, but uh, in 2018, we were just trying to make the, uh, the interviewing experience we wanted to exist in the world. Yeah, and I mean, and they're loving it. Everybody's loving it, <laughs> from the uh, developers to the hiring managers, VPs of engineering, because they also see that feedback that we're giving to the candidates, yeah? They do. Yep, that's the thing. I felt guilty when I had my take home at my last job, I, I, you know, I spent all this work and I just, I, you know, I knew I wanted to give feedback and every once in a while I would like, you know, just get a burst of energy and I would go like send a bunch of feedback to people. But so many people I didn't, I was barely staying above water with, you know, the demanding job of, of leading this engineering organization. And then you add hiring on top of that. And now I have like, well, I, I there's this thing that I feel like I want to do, but you know, I kind of don't have to do. I just, I just didn't do it as much as I want. So we wanted to, uh, a lot of our customers are feeling that and we want to help, uh, help send the positive vibes of, of creating the experience we want them to, to be able to provide. That's, uh, that's awesome. Well, let's actually back up a little bit. Um, it was PolicyStat, yeah, the, the company that, was, uh, that you grew from essentially zero to five AR and, uh, and it was acquired by iContract, I believe. But mm-hmm. when you were building that company up and you were scaling your teams, what were like, uh, we already talked about some of the challenges that, that we're facing, but what were some of the things that were more of a, of a drag to you yourself because you, you did want to maybe specifically focus on something, but you couldn't because you had to hire, you know, X amount of developers. Um, and, and what was that, that growth phase for you like how like how many did you start off with and how many did you end up growing with before you guys um were acquired by iContract started off just me in my uh in my bedroom um in um, bloomington indiana after college uh i think uh and i was just building i was just i would go drive up to indianapolis about an hour away 
once a week to meet with the uh, investors and some of the folks that founded the company but never worked on it. So it was just me. I was just like making decisions as a 22 year old, which seems wild in <laughs> retrospect with very limited supervision. Um, some of the decisions I made in the first six months to find our product strategy 10 years later and were some of the reasons we actually were acquired as our different approach to the problem instead of storing, uh, this is getting a little too nerdy, but instead, instead of storing Word documents to generate policies and procedures in a healthcare context across these, these health systems with overlapping regulation and regional groups and, and sub-regional groups, we actually stored uh, markup instead of a Word document, which allowed us to dynamically generate policies in different sections and do some cool stuff. Uh, but at the time I was 22, I was just like, man, Word documents suck. I don't want to load those. HTML is the future. Let's do that. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, it was, it's, startups are wild. You, you make all these decisions early on uh, and they, they set you on this path for both good and bad. I also made some really dumb decisions that took us years to unwind. But I won't talk about those. Um, so I'm just, you know, building, and then all of a sudden we see success, and it's like, all right, we've got to hire some more engineers. It's like, all right, who's going to do that? <laughs> all right, I guess. All right, I'm hiring engineers, um, and I hired three engineers uh, over the next couple of years, and they were great. <laughs> I I was great. I had this gut, you know, they could just like look in someone's eyes and spot talent feeling pretty good about myself right. and then hired our fourth engineer and it wasn't great hmm. it, it was it was a it was a mistake and it was my mistake i put someone in a place where they were not going to be successful and it was 100 my fault hugely painful for my team the team was not in a place where we could support that person and the work that needed to be done mm -hmm. and in a small team every chair matters to our customers um so really painful, cost us over $100,000, was a huge drain on my team, hurt our customers and progress. I never wanted to make that mistake again. I was yeah. like kind of kind of devastated. So I went what, and read. How, how did you end up uh, finding this individual? Um, was it like friend recommendation or they just applied on a job board? Let's see. Applied on a job board, but I think we had run into each other at meetups locally okay. before so at the time we were based in indianapolis only hiring in indianapolis i think we had uh connected at a, at a tech meetup i used to go to you know python meetup and there was a django meetup that i helped co-host and uh remember meetups back in the day before mm -hmm. COVID? it was it was really yeah. nice getting I together in person <laughs> i'm just trying to think about like why did he end up not being a good fit obviously we don't have to go into like specifics about that particular person but like overall like why was it you know it, you liked him you saw him live in person you knew that he was smart uh and he knew what he can you know he could bring something to the table but why overall was it that it ended up being a mishire yeah so this this is i've thought about this a lot um what it comes down to is my process for hiring was kind of like evaluating a professional golfer by asking them to do putt putt <laughs> it's like yeah putt putt great if you can't do putt putt you're not the right fit because like <laughs> you need to be able to putt uh and forgive the golf analogy it's, it's just the best one i can come up with um but that's necessary but not sufficient so 
the kind of complexity of work we had and just kind of the bad, you know, the early stage code base, you're figuring out a lot of things, you kind of need to move fast. Mm -hmm. So there's this, there are some folks who uh, are just very deliberate and there's some work that benefits from that slower pace, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not, that was not our team at that stage in the company. So if you take three or four times as long to deliver the same quality of work um, because of personality traits and because you're a little bit more junior, um, that's a really big impact on customers. Like that's three uh, Xing your development velocity for the same quality makes a huge difference. Um, and it was a hard decision to say like, well, you know, the work is, is good. It just takes way, way longer consistently. Hmm. Um, relative to the other folks on the team. Right. And I didn't have an interview process that could evaluate those sort of ability to make those pragmatic trade-offs and move fast in a startup environment. Mm -hmm. And then, so after that, that was your big, like, I need to fix this. I need to change the way that we're approaching hiring because you ended up, you continue to grow your team after that point, right? I did. And I didn't want to mess it up again. Yeah. Um, so I did what I do. I uh, read all the IO psych literature I could get. Um, this is the scientific discipline that covers hiring and predictive hiring. Um, then I went and talked to some grizzled engineering managers, worked at places like GitHub and uh, New Relic. What do y'all do? <laughs> like, how do you avoid this horrible pain? And the overlap between those two strategies is if, if you're going to hire dancers, you should probably watch them dance. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, duh. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's not do the putt-putt version. Let's do the real thing. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that. Uh, I started giving a small project that was the real work, uh, evaluated all those things that were kind of missing. And it worked. Uh, probably didn't need to read 400 pages of scientific literature to get that. It seems kind of common sense in retrospect, yeah. but it was not what I was doing. And I, I made 20 more hires wow. uh, and I had 100% success rate. All because when you see someone do the job under realistic conditions, it's pretty dang predictive of doing the job. Yeah. And a lot of those hires ended up, uh, I know once you guys were acquired, uh, ended up going to like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, the fan companies. Uh, so you did a proof of concept there. <laughs> it worked out. Was that then what you built there? Was that what led you to, um, to build Woven? It was, it was, it was the kernel of the idea. It was just seeing that work, seeing these alumni go and work at you know, Microsoft and Amazon. Um, like something was there, uh, yeah. but the real the real light bulb moment for me was actually in about it was about 2015. I decided we wanted to go remote, so instead mm -hmm. of hiring the best folks, best fit folks in Indianapolis, what about the best fit folks in the world who are going to work willing to work in our time zone? So I go from 10 resumes, 10 really good qualified candidates a month to 100 a week. Mm -hmm. it's, it was a game changer back then. It's still kind of a game changer. Um, so I have a different problem. I have a hundred resumes in my inbox. It's a Friday. <laughs> Lewis, I don't know how much time you spent reading resumes and how you feel about it, but man, it feels like a chore to me. I was not excited about it. Yeah. So I was ready to go home. So kind of on a whim, I sent a, a bulk email to everyone who applied that week. Here's the project. 
you know, get it back to me. Uh, and a week later, I get results back. And one of the projects is just amazing. It's mm -hmm. like I'm hiring for a mid-level role, and this is, seen, this is clearly senior-level work. So it's not just correct code, it's elegant code. It's got documentations, it's got tests, it's got all the things that really matter. It's well architected. Right. So I'm stoked because there are not enough developers. Uh, there's a shortage even back then. I go back and look at this candidate's resume for this mid-level role with senior level work and they have zero years professional experience. No way. So this is a brand new University of Michigan grad if I would have looked at his resume first, I absolutely rejected him, even though he was the best candidate in my pool. Turns out he'd been doing all this side project work in college and had summer internship work, and uh, but he, he, he never had a job, and I would have rejected him for a mid-level role. Right. So that was the light bulb moment. It's like there are these folks out there that are just much better than their learning curve. Sometimes they're switching from one discipline to another sometimes they're just much better than their years of experience sometimes they've done all this off resume work and the traditional hiring process is overlooking them mm -hmm. um, we call them hidden gems and that was one of their, our first breakthroughs is giving our customers the ability to find those hidden gems yeah and, and how many of those are you seeing actually slipping through the cracks and getting hired right now within well with the the clients that that woman has um I know that we have a few stories out there like truck driver spending his uh, spare time every time he was pulled over on the side of the road, just learning coding on his on his own Python or SQL or, or whatnot, um, and then ended up getting hired at uh, one of the big companies that uh, that we work with. Um, are you seeing a lot of that happening with our clients? It, it Kind of a shocking amount, actually. So wow. going back to 2018, I would have thought, you know, maybe one in 10 hires could be this like hidden gem path if you're, you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And after I think it was like the middle of 2019, we like decided, all right, let's, let's, this seems like it's happening a lot. I wonder how often we went back and counted. And a third of our customers' hires over that period were actually hidden gems. These are wow. folks that without us, they would have been rejected at the resume screen phase. Hmm. But because the recruiter could send a, send the candidate to Woven instead of that expensive, very expensive hour with a hiring manager, a senior engineer, recruiter is able to take some bets, take some shots on maybes. And because there's enough maybes, because resumes are kind of low signal, um, we were able to find some some great folks. And that was a third of our customers' hires. Hmm. I want to take this a little bit of a different direction right now. But why is it that we are seeing such a void in the marketplace right now for engineering candidates qualified, even the hidden gem uh, candidates. Why is it that uh, there isn't a, a, a huge amount of pool of, um, of individuals to pick from um, right now, even even though we have expanded it out to remote, right? Um, what, what do you think is going on? Is it just that the developers, like uh, they don't want to learn this? or they don't see the opportunity right now because there is a huge opportunity. If you're seeing the pay, <laughs> the income that, that they're, uh, these companies are, are giving out, I mean, the money is there. It is enticing. But uh, yeah, what, what is it that you think um, is causing that void? Like there's a lot of jobs, but not a lot of people that are able to apply for these jobs. It's complex. I'm going to split that in that question in two. There, one is like, why isn't remote helping? Like, you know, it seems like it should. Like we've got, you know, some 
bigger talent pool and then the other one is like the kind of supply and demand dynamics mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start with remote yeah. um so this is something i got wrong so if you go back on my twitter you'll find a tweet from me in like april or may of 2020 where i was like you know when when the pandemic is kind of waning and all these big companies are going to start trying to call their folks back to the office that's going to be the best time in history to hire developers because all these big companies are going to you know, scare away their developers because they're going to try to pull them back in the office. Mm -hmm. I felt very smart. Uh, fast forward to today and what has actually happened, I was expecting most of these big companies to not go remote, to mm -hmm. like try to get everyone back in the office as soon as they could. And what's happened is most of them haven't. Most of them are staying remote. Mm -hmm. So instead of remote being a boon because now you can reach into all these cities and find the best folks across the world and the country. It's just increased the competition, like ratcheted it up. We went from, uh, to get some stats. So in, I believe it was 2019, something around 25% of Y Combinator companies started remote. Um, and these are like, these are just starting out companies who have every reason to go remote. There's there's nothing really tying them to a city. They're kind of on the leading edge. Uh, so it's only 25% were kind of remote first. Mm -hmm. You fast forward to the 2021 cohort, it's like 90, 95% are wow. remote first. It's kind of insane. Um, and big companies have also followed suit. So it's just that there are now so many more people who have gone remote. A lot of the folks who have gone remote are coastal. Um, coastal companies who are used to paying coastal salaries mm -hmm. and that has slowed the increase a little bit in salaries on the coast, but it has just done insane things to salaries outside those markets because there was such a big gap. Um, you could essentially make twice as much working as a software engineer in San Francisco versus San Antonio. Yeah. And now those are much closer because those San Francisco companies are reaching into San, uh, San Antonio and instead of the San Antonio companies only competing with other folks in their city, they're now competing with everybody in the country. So that's right. actually increased salaries, made things very competitive. Hmm. So I was, I totally got this wrong. I, uh, I saw the liquidity of candidates thing coming, but I did not anticipate how many companies would be like, screw it, we're going remote for our developers. So the, we have enough candidates, but they're just going to those higher paying jobs right now. Is that, is that what we're seeing that's happening? Yep. If you, um, depending on your view on where you previously were, if you were a, let's say, you know, you're one step below Fang on the compensation rung, you're like mm -hmm. Stripe or someone like that. And you're already used to paying like near Fang compensation, but you could only hire in a couple cities. Actually, Stripe's a bad example because they went remote earlier, but let's, uh, a company like that that hadn't previously gone remote, mm -hmm. it's actually a little easier for you than mm -hmm. it used to be. Instead of hiring in hubs, you got a bigger market. So those folks, it's a little bit easier. For Fang, it's about the same. They've always been able to just pay top of market and get people to move to places. Um, not really much of a difference. Maybe a little bit easier um, because there's, uh, yeah, because because they have more ability to pay because they've benefited from this. Uh, but if you are any of those mid-tier companies that were paying sub San Francisco salaries, it's gotten much uh, much harder out there. Uh, I was talking to Belkin, uh, technical recruiter, and he was saying even with the name recognition of a Belkin, I mean, they're tied to Apple and everybody uses their products to like charge their devices and, and whatnot. He's seen that 
they are having a, a tough time with finding uh, individuals for their specific software engineering roles. Um, and he yeah. has to do a lot of headhunting himself to go out there and find them because it doesn't matter right now well, from what he's seeing. It's not just the name. They, they want to make sure it's remote and um, or maybe people, they, software engineers, they want to work for a smaller company because they're, they want to be tied to a certain mission um, to grow that uh, instead of having something already set in place. They want to be more of a, like a part of, of that initial growth. Um, but for someone starting off, someone that's uh, learning Python, you know, uh, and uh, they are, they have this vision of wanting to work for a large company, wanting to become an engineer. Um, what would you suggest for them to, to do as far as like a career path, the, the next steps? Someone just starting off learning Python, but they have this grand vision of becoming someone um, that works at, at one of these companies. What, what, what are some of the steps that you would recommend for them to take um, to get them to that end goal that they have? I would, I would start with mindset. So this is a, it's, it's a very achievable path, um, but it takes a while. It takes the, it's not 10,000 hours of practice, but it's, it's a lot. Um, so some people, it's kind of like a workout routine. The best workout routine is the one you actually do it is not the perfect workout routine. Uh, and when it comes to getting your foot in the door and learning your, your base level skills for, for software development, it's the same thing. So you have to find a program that you're going to be able to stick to and put in at least a couple hundred hours if you're like you know probably closer to five to a thousand five hundred to a thousand hours mm -hmm. of just building stuff writing code struggling with compilers learning databases designing data models uh trying to spin up things on aws you really got to put in the work it's not easy um one of the one of the things that pisses me off most about a lot of cs 101 programs in college is you are typically mixing people with very different experiences. So personally, I played video games in like elementary school and junior high. One of them was an online game. I talked to a guy who was a professional programmer. I had never even heard of that. Like none of my parents went to college. Um, yeah. It was not a thing I was aware of, but he told me about it. I was like, whoa, you can like build video games? Oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> So I went and asked my mom to order me this uh, book on the C language, and we asked for a new computer so I could actually use it because we had like an old, you know, very busted machine. Um, and I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours in junior high and elementary school and high school building stuff. I was building like simulators and attendance trackers and these web apps and just like grinding when I just had a bunch of time and it was super fun. So when I go to get to CS 101, I looked like some sort of God to the guy on my first group project <laughs> who had never touched a programming language. For me, yeah. it was like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've spent hundreds of hours on this. Mm -hmm. So he, he was sitting there thinking, I am an idiot. I can't mm -hmm. do this. Like, look at this guy. He's, he's like, he's, you know, a duck in water. And the reality was I just put in a ton of time. Yeah. Uh, you got to put in the time. So it's finding the routine. It's finding the things that you like to build. It's finding the tutorials that are interesting. So that's, that's the mindset is, is you're going to have to put in the time uh, and find the parts that you like. So like uh, my, when it comes to like, how do you find the thing you'll stick to? Mm -hmm. I really like after you get through, you know, a few dozen hours of tutorials of like kind of basics, 
I think there's no substitute for trying to build something that you think would be interesting. Hmm. Like solve a problem that you might be able to solve with spreadsheets, but actually you're just going to build some sort of simple web app uh, yeah. to solve it so that you actually get benefit out of it. After that, I think uh, the thing I did was I started contributing to open source projects, find hmm. a project, find a, a tag, uh, an issue tag beginner, and then just try to like bang your head on it and get into their Slack or Discord and ask for help if they have an active project and try to build some stuff. You, you learn so fast that way. And that's the learning part. We talk about the like getting your first job part, but yeah. um, you can't skip over the learning part because that's, that's really important. Yeah. And then once it is time for you to apply at these companies, any tips on how to go through these interviews, how to take an assessment? Because that itself, you know, you, you pass your first uh, uh, screening or interview with the hiring manager and they're like, here you go. Here's an assessment. Here's a woven assessment. And now I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to fail. I don't want to uh, not be able to do the tasks that they're having me do. And so how would you or what type of advice would you give to someone that's that's starting to go through that process of getting hired, of, of applying at these jobs and and taking these assessments, talking to VPs of engineering? So there's kind of two pieces to it. Uh, one is how do you prepare yourself such that when you get the interview opportunity or the assessment opportunity, you will perform your best and have a good shot. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is how do I get to that point? How do I get mm -hmm. to a chance to show myself? Right. This part is actually really important for the junior level. So this part, you know, it's gotta be there. You have to do practice assessments, go on something like, um, uh, lead code and, just spend a lot of time, go do all the project Euler, which is E-U-L-E-R um, practice problems. Do them under realistic conditions where you're like, all right, I'm gonna spend 45 minutes doing this leak code medium problem and do a bunch of those until you feel really good. Um, and then you're gonna be pretty well prepared. Uh, you also wanna practice talking while coding. This is very unnatural. And if you don't practice it, you're gonna bomb it. But most companies, especially ones that don't use Woven, use this old technique where you write code and you talk while you do it, which actually uh, for, fo for autistic folks or anyone on that spectrum, that's very challenging. So like mm -hmm. uh, verbalization is kind of like a separate, a different process. Uh, mm -hmm. So especially if, if you identify there, you, you feel that challenge, you gotta practice those. Um, you gotta be able to like talk out loud while you're writing code and that is very unnatural. So you just got to do it. So do one of those leak code problems and talk. Say what you're going to do, then do it, then stop and talk. So that, okay. that gets a lot of people on the entry level. Um, so do the work. And then when it comes to looking for jobs, this is challenging. Junior jobs do not stay open very long. They're just, they get hundreds of applicants. So this is the one where if you can find a company doing something like Woven in their process where you will reliably get a chance to show the work you've put in, I would err on the side of doing that. Um, but if you can't, it's networking. It really is, unfortunately, for those entry-level roles. It is asking people for coffee uh, in your local your local area and then asking them, not trying to say, hey, can I have a job? Just saying, like, what do, what do I need to do to prepare myself for a job? Right. Asking for advice. Taking some of that advice. Like if they say, hey, go try this project, go try it. And send them the thing like, hey, how do I do? Uh, like show that you are someone who can work hard and, and wants to wants to do this and at the end of all of those meetings where you're getting coffee even if you don't drink coffee you know <laughs> you can drink tea whatever say hey is there anyone else i should be talking to 
Mm. And that's the magic question, right? So right. you could get one and two intros, your aunt knows somebody that's in software engineering. Cool, that's how you get started. But if you bring that conversation where you're 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 there to learn, you're there to ask, um, you don't try to, hey, can I have a job? You ask that question at the end, they might give you two other people. And now you're out meeting people in the world. And if you can um, show that you really you really care, you're really trying, when one of those folks has a job, mm. uh, you see it pop open. Now you message that person, say like, hey, you know, I've been working on this since we talked about it. Do I seem like an okay fit? And they're like, yeah, I think you should apply. I was like, great. Um, is there anyone on the hiring team that you think I could uh, talk to just to make sure um, my resume gets a look? And they might forward you to, to the recruiter. And that email forward is like, it makes it 10 times at least yeah. more likely that you're going to get uh, an interview because you're gonna stand out from the pack. I hate that networking is the way to do it. That's part of what I wanna change is like, there are some people are just way worse at that. They, mm -hmm. They're great at the job, the actual thing, but everything I just described of going out and get coffee sounds like, you know, torture yes. uh, and I get it. Uh, but the reality is, unless you find the company that's doing something like Woven where you're guaranteed to get a shot uh, at, and show off that you can actually do the work, that networking part is, um, is still the best way to go. Wow. That was uh, amazing advice. I don't want to take too much more of your time. You've already been generous enough. Uh, but just uh, final final words, Wes, for a company, uh, engineering exec, hiring managers uh, that are, they have maybe an assessment or they're thinking about looking at an assessment. Why woven? Why should they um, at least take a look, take up a demo <laughs> um, with, with someone at woven so that they can learn what we're all about. Why is it that they need a, um, to take a look at this? If you're finding that you are competing for, for developers that have a lot of other opportunity and part of what you need to do to win those folks is to move faster is to provide a, a, an experience to them that signals that you're a company that cares, uh, cares about learning and growth. If that feels like where you are, um, working with Woven is going to keep the, the quality, the rigor, the ability to predict success on the job while leveling up your candidate experience, improving your offer rate, and giving, uh, giving you a chance at some of those folks that you have managed um, to, to do so much work to attract so that you can scale your team. Awesome. Well, there we go. Uh, and actually, I'll post a link down below. You guys can contact me or someone at Woven so that um, you can take a, a quick look, take a look at, at Woven, see if it's a fit for you, and uh, we can help you uh, grow your teams uh, faster as well. Thank you so much, uh, Wes, for, for being on this uh, interview uh, with me today and gave a lot of valuable information from everyone, from a candidate to uh, an exec, and uh, there's a lot of great takeaways that we can have here uh, from this talk today. So I appreciate your time, Wes. Thanks for setting this up, Lewis. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right.